the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us. Hope your weekend's going well. Good program for you. Talking about some really interesting top stories, some very important economic data, touching on the Fed a little bit, and then coming back around to spend some time on making sure your retirement planning decisions um, are being thought about the right way. So we'll give you some um, food for thought, if you will, on that issue, give you some pointers, uh, try to help you out in any way possible. And, um, and of course, that's what the program's for and has always been for. Um, so looking forward to a good program uh, this weekend. And uh, we'll start off with uh, something that unfortunately, um, well, let me switch that. Fortunately, the the uh, spotlight has been um, put on this issue more the last four and five years uh, than previous. And people are becoming much more aware of it. And they're starting to think about it more, even though we're all very busy and have a ton of stuff going on with um, our husbands and wives and children and parents and aunts and uncles and work and um, hobbies and all the other stuff. A lot of people are starting to say, well, wait a minute, I work very, very hard. I try to do the right thing with um, my savings when it comes to retirement, back to that subject, um, and or just as an investor in general, um, what a lot of people are realizing is um, they're not invested and exposed to companies that they agree with from a moral uh, standpoint in particular. So we saw more of that uh, this week. The Vanguard Group, you're talking about one of the world's largest asset managers out there. A lot of people have um, money in Vanguard, but they're finding out that um, Vanguard invests through index funds in Chinese military groups and companies that are linked to forced labor, um, and this is according to a new report released uh, as just as the U.S. Treasury Department is trying to finalize rules pertaining to this very matter. So Vanguard's $70 billion flagship uh, fund, Emerging Markets Index Fund, actually is the, the, the exact fund, includes 60 companies on the Chinese military company sanction list by our own Treasury Department. So this uh, report was released by the Coalition for a Prosperous America. Um, and the coalition basically is an advocacy um, organization that exclusively represents uh, U.S.-based manufacturers, workers, farmers, and ranchers. So... Uh, along with the forced labor, Vanguard funds also hold shares of eight Chinese companies that are sanctioned over other human rights abuses in China. So you start looking at that and then how um, 
investments in certain Chinese companies benefit the Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party's uh, military. It makes no sense. People really don't want any exposure to that, just like they didn't want any exposure uh, once Russia went into Ukraine. Um, and then, of course, in some of the other issues, um, the social issues, whether um, it's pornography or sex, child trafficking or whatever it may be, people don't want any part of that. They don't want their hard-earned money um, invested in those types of companies um, because it's dirty. It makes them feel dirty. So um, I was glad to see that Vanguard, again, had that uh, spotlight put on them, and hopefully the pressure will uh, continue for whether it's Vanguard or BlackRock. There's another one. A lot of people have... um, exposure to BlackRock, and that is just, that's the world's largest asset manager. And um, in my opinion, it's just, it, well, I don't know why anybody would want to be exposed to that company, uh, especially when you start doing your, your homework on them. Rite Aid uh, actually filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. This week, it was, uh, you know, we knew it was coming. We talked about it recently, kind of letting you know that those wheels were in motion. And um, they announced a financial restructuring effort. Uh, It included the naming of new leadership. Um, So their big deal is they've got massive lawsuits as far as accusations of contributing to the opioid crisis. So uh, they're trying to get um, their self situated before that fight. The company said in a news release, it, it initiated a voluntary court supervised uh, bankruptcy process, and they're going to try to reduce debt. They're going to try to increase their financial flexibility to make all these things happen. Um, one of the key things that Rite Aid was able to accomplish was secure a $3.45 billion financing commitment from lenders. So they're hoping that that helps them get through the bankruptcy uh, restructuring process. You know, it's really unfortunate um, with what's going on, this war against American energy, uh, that uh, we're so blessed to have such an abundance of natural gas and oil and other uh, reliable, uh, dependable, um, cost-effective energy sources. Um, we saw this week that uh, global the global oil benchmark, uh, which is Brent crude, hit $93 a barrel in the middle of the week. Um, that's because of what's going on with the conflict in the Middle East. What's that going to do as far as disruption to oil supplies from the region? Um, and along with that, you've got Iran calling for an oil embargo to be imposed on Israel. Uh, markets are trying to factor in the risk premiums. Um, we got punked by uh, Jordan the country of Jordan, they canceled a summit uh, that was uh, set up to host Biden and Egyptian and Palestinian leaders. So uh, that went by the wayside. And like I said, in the Saudi city of Jeddah, the Iranian foreign minister urged members of something called the Organization of Islamic Cooperation to impose that oil embargo I mentioned. So oil prices are going up, and that's going to be followed by higher gasoline and diesel fuel and just pricing in general, because when you look at what's necessary for pretty much everything in our lives, 
the energy component is behind it. So if those costs go up, so do other our, our other costs as well. On top of that, um, here in the United States, uh, we get a weekly uh, premium uh, summary from the previous week, and it showed that U.S. commercial crude oil inventories um, decreased by 4.5 million barrels. Gasoline inventories decreased by 2.4 million barrels. And distillate fuels, which includes diesel inventories, uh, decreased 3.2 million barrels last week. Um, so you start looking at um, all of this collectively, it is not good. So you've got these drawdowns here on our supplies. I'm not even going to get into the the level of stupid that uh, was used to deplete our strategic petroleum reserve because, God forbid, but we could find ourselves in a very serious emergency situation. That's what the strategic petroleum reserve is for. And um, this administration has depleted that, including some of those sales of oil to China. Like I said, you just can't uh, fathom that level of stupid, but that's exactly what happened. So um, we're going to continue to watch uh, the um, the energy. There's a couple different things there. I mean, it's the facts. When we look at these numbers, we see drawdowns. We see what's in the petroleum reserves. We look at um, what's going on with that uh, the, the Brent uh, global benchmark. What's going on over in Israel? A port has already been closed. What's going on with Iran calling for that embargo? Um, along with, at the same time, you'll start to hear, and we have some rumblings from the administration acting like they're saving face, saying that they're going to allow um, exploration and harvesting of the resources we have here. I don't buy that, just so you know. That's talk. That's headline. Uh, actually getting the permit and the final okay. Um, the licenses to make that happen. That's the fact. That's when you know that actually these people um, can go to work here in the United States and harvest those resources. Before, you know, it's not just somebody saying we're going to do it. It's the actual follow through. And that's what's been lacking uh, for the last coming up on three years now. Uh, bad news for LinkedIn, which is owned by Microsoft. They said they were cutting 668 jobs, uh, whether these jobs were in engineering, uh, talent, finance, but 668 jobs. It's about 3% of their uh, current workforce. And what we have to remember is back in uh, May, I was talking about LinkedIn cutting 716 jobs back then. So it's obvious that the tech sector is really having a tough time, well, the workers are, uh, when it comes to job cuts. We've seen um, 141,516 employees in the tech sector just in the first half of 2023 that have lost their jobs. That's up more than 2,300% from the same period a year ago. 
So, uh, and everybody, big and small, it's not, you know, you've got LinkedIn, um, but the big companies, the Googles, the Amazons, the the Metas, the Yahoos, um, we've seen that across the board there. They've definitely had a rough time as far as pink slips rolling in that sector. Uh, retail sales unexpectedly jumped in September. So um, that's the good headline news, right? Retail sales were up seven-tenths of one percent. Uh, that was more than double what economists were looking for. Um, but then you ask why? Well, you know, con- or excuse me, uh, retail sales includes everyday goods like food and gasoline, right? That that we know everybody's paying more for. So that's the bump. The fact that consumers spent more at grocery stores, spent more at gas stations, they spent more on health care. So um, and online spending was up one point one percent. So people are changing their uh, shopping habits. Again, we've seen the dollar stores, the dollar general, whatever it is. Um, And actually people from higher end uh, shopping dropping down to like the Walmart level. Um, and, And it's just because people are trying to stretch what they have. They're trying to, you know, make that dollar go as far as it can. And that's not working for so many people, as we've talked about. So they're they're making hard decisions. They're dipping into savings. They're running up credit cards, whatever it may be. When we look at the housing sector, it continues just to be a mystery when you look at uh, data because it's all over the place. Now, confidence among builders in the uh, U.S. housing market actually plunged the third straight month here in October. The National Association of Home Builders, they they have a housing market index, which measures the pulse of the single family housing market. It fell five points to a reading of 40. That's not good, folks. And any reading below 50 is negative. So um, builders reported lower levels of buyer traffic. Um, Some buyers especially younger ones are priced out of the market because of the higher interest rates. That was according to the National Association of Home Builders uh, uh, chairman. Um, You know, you're looking at a 30-year fixed mortgage back when they did this was at 7.57%, according to Freddie Mac. On the heels of that report, you have um, information that came from a firm saying that home foreclosures are on the rise as Americans continue to grapple with inflation and those ongoing cost of living uh, increases and the crises that it has caused. So um, there's a real estate data provider called Adam, and they found that uh, foreclosure filings, which includes default notices, scheduled actions, and bank repossessions, were up 28% in the third quarter from the previous quarter and foreclosures folks they're up 34 percent from the same time a year ago so 28 percent over the previous quarter and up 34 percent from the same time a year ago this is real people are in a whole lot of hurt and these are hard numbers that show that i mean foreclosures being up 34 percent year over year that's real pain 
Now, we saw also this week that U.S. single-family home building uh, rebounded in September. That was according to the Commerce Department. Uh, Single-family housing starts um, increased 3.2%. Now, the uh, August number was revised lower, so actually uh, was worse than what was previously reported. That's what we don't want to see. We don't want to see these revisions time and time and time again, and they're negative. Whether it's the jobs market or the housing sector, whatever, we don't want to see that. We want to know the truth when the report comes out. We don't want these big big revisions in particular. I understand if there's a very, very small uh, revision one way or the other, that's okay. It's not an exact science. I get that. But this... They basically were saying that they were on pace to build 8,000 more houses than what they reported. That's not small. That, that's, a, that's a big revision. Single-family housing starts uh, rose in the Midwest, in the West, and in the South. But they were down 19% in the Northeast. Can you say overregulation, right? I mean, that's what it is. Um, and also, uh, permits for future construction of single-family homes rose 1.8%. Existing home sales, uh, which that's the bulk of the market, continue to slide in September. Uh, sales were down 2% uh, from the previous month, according to the National Association of Realtors, and on an annual basis, existing home sales are down 15.4% when compared with September of 2022. So, as has been the case throughout the year, according to their chief economist, uh, limited inventory and low housing affordability continue to be the problem. We know that, right? Lack of inventory, high pricing, and the high interest rates are just, you know, putting people out of the market in general. So uh, really tough. And that's why mortgage demand fell to a three decades uh, low last week. So according to the the data that I saw from the Mortgage Bankers Association, their index of mortgage applications fell 6.9% 6.9% last week to the lowest level since 1995. The data also showed that the average rate of the 30-year loan climbed for the sixth straight week to 7.7. That's the highest level since November of 2000. These are not good numbers. It's it's This is ridiculous. And it's all self-imposed it's all self-imposed with terrible policy absolutely no leadership and i'm not just talking about the white house but just all the cabinet positions and the underlings just terrible no leadership whatsoever people just don't know what they are doing and then when we look at some regional surveys uh, unfortunately they weren't very good either 
started art uh, started out uh, these regional surveys the new york empire state manufacturing uh the headline general business condition index for the federal reserve bank of new york that manufacturing survey declined to minus 4.6 in october that's not what we want to see um the new orders index dropped shipments index fell 11 points the index for future business conditions moved down three points. Not good. Um, a couple days after that, we get the report from the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, their manufacturing survey, minus nine in October. Uh, came in worse than what the market expectation was. It's the 15th negative reading for the Philly Fed survey in the past 17 months. So, uh, you know, again, we were talking about this on the Morning News Express earlier in the week. Um, you know, Bob mentioned that we're not a manufacturing-based economy anymore. We're a service-based economy. We need to change that as much as possible, bring back as much manufacturing as possible. And if we didn't learn from the virus with the supply chains and all the other craziness we'll never learn so especially when it comes to our food production our medical um production as far as pharmaceuticals things of that nature whether um it's um really any type of very important you know semiconductors you name it uh technology we need to have a better handle on that right that's I think most people would agree that yes, we do. We've we went the wrong way after NAFTA and we've been, you know, we got back on the the right track with the USMC agreement a few years ago, but then that's they're trying to overturn that and get back to the old ways. Um the cronyism, the corruption, the, you know, go along to get along, all the things that are so terrible for 99% of Americans, right? So whatever manufacturing we have, and this is why I bring up these regional surveys, okay, we we have much less manufacturing. We know that. But daggone it, for whatever manufacturing we have, we don't want it to be negative. We want it to be growing. We want it to be expanding. We don't want to see contraction. And these first two reports out of New York, out of Philadelphia, for the Northeast, it doesn't bode well. It really doesn't. So we need to do better in that area. And um, hopefully things will improve. Hopefully we will get some proper uh, leadership, uh, some proper policy in place and be able to uh, to move forward on that. So uh, quick break when we come back. We'll, um, I have a couple things for the Fed real quick, and then we're going to jump into the important decisions when it comes to retirement. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. When it comes to hitching the boat up, backing down the ramp in my old truck to find a bunch of laws, to catch a bunch of hogs. Yeah, I wrote the book. Yeah, I wrote the book. If you want to learn to throw a curve, to clean up looking on a third strike talk a little smack while he's walking back 
This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free, excuse me, Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to uh, Apple Podcasts. You can grab it there. Don't forget to download your free WFMD app also. Uh, just go to the App Store and um, put that on your phone. And literally, you can have um, all of the good programming from WFMD right at your fingertips. So I mentioned right before the break... Um, we did hear from Jerome Powell this week, right? The chairman of the Federal Reserve. He talked to the uh, Economic Club of uh, of New York City, and basically was like, "Hey, you know, we've done a pretty good job with the decline in inflation," but um, he was also warning that uh, that prices, consumer prices, remained too high, which tell us what we don't already know, right? Um, and that um, to get them to the pre-virus level may require uh, slower economic uh, growth and some deterioration in the jobs market. That's not what we want to hear. He did admit that inflation is still too high and that only a few months of good data 
It's just the beginning. It's going to take more to build confidence that inflation is moving down sustainably uh, toward their goal, which is 2%. So um, didn't re- that was nothing new. Uh, I mean, it spooked the market a little bit, I think, because they're going to meet in a couple weeks and decide if um, they're going to raise rates another quarter point or if they're just going to pause. But the bottom line is uh, Powell, along with the entire board that voted for um, the uh, what was going on with the rate increases, along with the uh, Biden and Pelosi at that time in particular spending, uh, created all this inflation. So um, I'm not really thrilled when Jerome Powell comes out and says, yeah, you know, we've done okay, but we still have some more work to do. Well, yeah, you're right. And as far as wanting more spending, I'm telling you folks, if you go to usdebtclock.org and you see what's going on with our uh, country's debt levels, you know, I mean, we've been talking about it for years and years and years here on the program, but it is, it's just off the charts now. It, it's insane. This week, I mentioned earlier in the week on the Morning News Express, we were at $33.5 trillion in debt. A couple days later, $33.6 trillion in debt. It, we, this cannot continue. And these idiots that want to spend more and tie it. Look, I understand if people are frustrated with what's going on with the House of Representatives right now. But we are at that breaking point. So $33.5 trillion, $33.6 trillion, $33.7 trillion, and trillion. And I mean, we're running deficits, as we've mentioned before, anywhere from, you know, one and a half to two trillion dollars in one year you can't do that and taking in record amount of tax revenue like five trillion but then spending seven that does not work not for individuals not for families not for businesses and the government needs to realize that and stop so what's going on right at the with the house and we're seeing more of it we heard after the uh, visit to Israel the other day, hey, we want to tie all these things together in one bill and we want to send more money to Ukraine so that we can send money to Israel. Nope, don't need to do that. Let's just debate it. Let's talk about it in front of the American people. We can put on our big boy pants and our big girl pants, right? We can we can make up our mind. Let us hear the debate in open, not behind closed doors, not all the garbage that's stuffed into these bills that's running up our deficit and our debt that's going to blow the country up. We're sick of it. And uh, by the way, the sun continues to come up every day even though we don't have a speaker. It's not the end of the world. We either stop the spending now or the, the, the deficits continue and our position in this world not just in our country, but in this world, continues to spiral down. So anyway, the the, the Fed's got to, you know, and, and again, they're part of this problem with the trillions of dollars that they pumped into the economy um, 
from the virus and we still haven't held China accountable for the virus and they won't you know, they want to talk about root causes but not true root causes so anyway uh, we'll see what the uh, Fed does in a couple weeks but they've been an epic disaster so far so let's talk about retirement a little bit right let's talk about um, the 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 very very important decisions that uh, are involved when it comes to retirement and it can be a very stressful uh, thing by the way um, I know that because uh, you know, I've been helping people for um, over 30 years when it comes to um, retirement planning, investment planning, etc. So um, we'll keep it as we always do. Just we're going to check some boxes here and um, and make sure that uh, that we get to the basics at least. And then we can go forward from there um, on another program or however we see fit. Uh, one is. If you want to be successful, I think in general, um, a plan, a true written plan is is extremely important because when people get to retirement close to it, they're thinking about it or even in it, they wonder the one question, am I going to run out of money? Now, who wants to go through life, retirement, with that nagging question in the back of your mind. Because if that's there, you're not going to enjoy life and, and, and your situation as much as you deserve to after working hard and saving your whole life. So if you have an actual plan, everything on paper, I can assure you it's going to make you feel better because your questions are answered. You're not wondering you know, a plan shows you if you come up short, it shows you if you're going to have Buku extra, it shows you and anywhere in between. And the best time to know that answer and to know those things is prior to going into retirement. The second best time to know those things is now, even if you're already in retirement. Right. So, you know, people want to ask, okay, I've got this big pile of money um, or medium pile of money, whatever it is. Is that going to be enough? Am I going to run out of money? Well, how can you answer that if you don't look at what your lifestyle is? Your budget, how much you spend. What does it cost you to live, you and your wife or you and your husband, to live the life you want to live into retirement and, um, and again, no, okay, we're going to be fine. Um, we're going to be super fine. Oh, we might not be able to take one or two of those vacations that we thought. But like I said, it's better to know than to uh, just guess. So um, from the get-go, I think it's great if uh, you do the plan, do a plan. And um, it's not very hard it's just you're taking a little bit of time uh to get information and numbers together having some good conversations about um you know what you want to do how you want to live in retirement so you know how much risk 
you want slash need to take with your uh, investment planning, those types of things. But a plan is, again, in my opinion, is the best way to start. Now, what you're going to find, especially as you get closer to retirement age, is the noise is going to get very, very loud. And you need to learn to tune that out. You have to remember with cable TV and the internet and radio and all these other mediums of, of communicating that, that we have, um, a lot of it is fear-based. And um, they come up with things to keep you tuned in after the commercials. And, you know, a lot of that, like I said, is, is fear-mongering. I call it financial porn um, because it's just disgusting with the way they do some of the things they do and, and how they run their shows and, and whatnot. I'm all about bad news. Actually, you know that because the first part of this program, pretty much everything I said was bad, but it was fact. It was based on numbers and statistics and reports and surveys and quotes. Um, and yet, like I said, you realize that even though there's a lot of this stuff's going on, the sun's still coming up. And the better your plan and planning is, uh, the better off you're going to be. And you can tune that noise out. So, again, first two things, start with a plan. Realize that you don't want to get sucked in to the so-called experts and the shiny objects and the hot tips and how they're going to help you today, even though tomorrow they're going to write a different headline or tell you something different. So you have to have something in place, have the discipline to avoid the shiny object and the noise. Um, when we're talking about your planning, one thing I think that really helps because of when people are pressured with that, that, you know, that we're getting ready to go to World War Three and you know, all this bad stuff's going on, have an emergency fund so that if the markets temporarily take a downturn or whatever it might be, you've got your dry powder um, on the sidelines that you can use that income to supplement your social security and a pension if you have one, that type of thing, as opposed to pulling money out of the market when the market's down. And finally, a benefit for that um, is people are actually getting paid a little bit from uh, money markets and CDs. Um, so again, what I've learned is, and this is personal for everybody. I know the, the cookie cutter is have six months of expenses on the sideline. Well, guess what? There's some people that want two years of expenses on the sideline. That's what they want. That's what they feel comfortable with. If you want three months or six months, fine, right? That's what they want and what they feel comfortable with. But again, if somebody's very jumpy, then they'll, they might say, hey, what about two years? And I say, hey, yes. If that's going to make you more calm and confident, and enjoy retirement more when we have the dot-com bust or the housing crisis or the financial crisis or the virus or now what we're dealing with, that's fine. 
It's your plan. It's your money. So have that. Have the plan. Wall out the noise and the shiny objects. And make sure you have dry powder on the sidelines so that if you need to make a change, you can do that. And, um, and it's not going to be a big deal. Inflation. Anybody that's doing a plan that's not taking into account inflation, I would be very skeptical that that plan is going to work out the way you think. Because we all know what cost a dollar 20 years ago doesn't cost a dollar today. Right? So you have to make sure you have inflation. You're inflating your budget um, over time. We actually inflate it every month uh, systematically in our plans so that, you know, there there's no surprise there. Um, and if you have that inflation, you'll look and say, well, I'm spending X now. But, oh, my gosh, look, in 10 or 15 years from now, look how much my monthly expenses are. But you know what? You're still living the same life. You're still doing the things, same things you want to do, um, and, and you're not fooling yourself because by planning and projecting forward, you're going to see, as we mentioned, if you are going to have enough money or not. So that's very, very important. By doing these things, by planning, putting the noise out of your head, um, you know, not chasing the shiny object, Making sure your plan includes inflation, which now is much more relatable because it's so crazy. But, you know, having that inflation in there in general, because historically we know we've had inflation. So um, by doing those things, it helps you to take the emotions out of important decisions you might have to make. Not getting scared out of the market. Now, if you own junk or if you don't know what you're invested in or you don't have a real comfortable feeling, then, yeah, you're probably going to get spooked out of the market. If you have a plan, if you have quality stuff in your investment portfolio, if you're invested the way you're supposed to be invested, not your nosy neighbor, um, then, you know, you're going to be you're much, much more likely to be able to weather that storm and, like I said, take the emotion out and not um, be intimidated by whatever the, the the tragedy of the day might be that the news is trying to get you to run around with your hair on fire just like they are acting like you know theirs is. So um, Social Security, just wanted to throw that out. You know, personally, if you're uh, 50 or under, I'd be skeptical of including all of your social security projections in your plan just to be safe. Um, if you can make things work without the, you know, the projection, the, the total amount, it, you might want to consider that. Um, why? And I'm not one that's saying that, you know, social security is not going to be there and all that stuff. But look, every year, here's a fact. The trustees of social security and Medicare tell us that we're on the path to insolvency. That's it. We're being told that these are numbers. It doesn't work. So what does that mean? Higher taxes, um, moving the benefit period as to when you can claim Social Security, maybe a cutback in the number, uh, the dollar amount, I mean, 
So these are just all, this is reality. Again, this isn't trying to scare anybody. And I didn't say social security is not going to be there, but I would be cautious because every single year we get a letter from the trustees of social security and Medicare. And they say, we're on our way. If we don't do something, we're on our way to insolvency. It's not going to work. Back to the $33.6 trillion in debt and then wanting to spend all this other money. It's money laundering in Ukraine. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, that's just what I believe. There's so much of that going on. You've got BlackRock, Larry Fink involved in that over there. Now, guess who's involved in Ukraine? The Clinton Foundation. All the oligarchs over there. Look, man, Ukraine was already one of the most corrupt countries on the continent before this. So you've got all this nonsense going on. Has anybody talked about fixing Social Security? Has anybody talked about fixing Medicare? So my point, if you're under 50, you might want to be careful on your projections for Social Security. That's another thing. Um, And, you know, the market volatility, the economic concerns, they're going to continue. So the better your plan is, the better your investment portfolio is, the better off you're going to be. And um, one last thing I'll throw in is that I've noticed over time is that people really don't understand often what the health care cost could be in retirement. I mean, some of the estimates show that a couple might need close to $300,000 in today's dollars to cover medical expenses in retirement. So when you're doing your plan, you want to include all of those things as best as possible because why? You want to eliminate or try to eliminate that question, am I going to run out of retirement income? That's no way to live your life. That's no way to have a happy retirement. So just some of those basics. Plan, make sure that um, you know, you're factoring in inflation, make sure that you have your uh, emergency or you know dry powder, your cash on the sidelines for when things do hit the fan. The, you know, those are just some of the things that you can do, the basics to start with, to get you rolling, get you where you need to be um, from a planning perspective. There's a lot of free plans out there. You know, it, 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 you can go on the internet probably and find some free financial plan templates and start there if you want. Um, You know, that's what I do. It's what I've done for over 30 years. So I have a stronger feeling about working directly with someone that could help you and can guide you and be there for you and answer the questions. Um, And I think, again, that that instills much more confidence. But if you need to just start with, you know, looking at some free uh, questionnaires or whatever to get you going, then go ahead and do that because the most important thing is to do something. Like I said, if you haven't already done it, that would have been the best time, whatever, five years ago. Today's the second best time.
That does it for us. We uh, are out of time ourselves. I'll talk with you on the Morning News Express weekday mornings at 5.50, 6.50, and 7.50 with uh, Chris and Bob. And uh, then we'll be back here next weekend for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.